The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Amplifier Advisors, LLC, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to What's Working in Washington on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Well, thanks for joining us in this What's Working in Washington Extra. A topic that I have been spending a fair bit of time thinking about and we're going to talk about in today's show is, is how the business environment is really being shaped by the government. You know, winners and losers are often determined by how government applies regulations or not. We're going to talk about the business environment today's show with three experts here in studio. Suzanne Rich Folsom is an attorney and expert in helping businesses comply with regulation and interact with government. She really is very much a, a career fixer. She's worked with public and private companies as general counsel. She's dealt with crisis and moments and day-to-day -day managing and businesses compliance and just business strategies. She's worked with public companies, including U.S. Steel, where she was general counsel and chief compliance officer and also the senior vice president of governmental affairs. So her experience is deep in many things we're going to talk about today. Our next guest is a, a guest that you're familiar with if you're a regular listener to the show, Richard Levick. He's the founder of Levick, a leading strategic communications and public affairs firm here in D.C. Richard often talks about his business as being one that's important for helping clients establish and protect trust. Again, understanding the current environment is something that he has to know very much to help his clients get ahead. He's also a regular columnist with Forbes magazine and makes many public appearances other than this show. Our third guest is Michael Avon, a leading entrepreneur here in the D.C. region, very thoughtful guy. He's the founder and CEO of ICX Media. That's his most recent venture. He's also an active venture investor with ABS Partners, one of the leading venture capital organizations in the country. And he's very much involved in shaping technology companies, media advertising. And again, the regulatory and governmental environment really affects what he does. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me today. This is really exciting for me. Let's just begin with, what do you think of the current environment, regulatory environment otherwise, for, for business? Richard, I'll start with you, if you well, don't mind. Uh, you know, thank you, Jonathan. I think that it's an extraordinarily complex and difficult environment right now. Uh, small companies, I think, find extraordinary challenges, but we're also seeing challenges for large companies. The uh, the merger mania that we're starting to see, uh, a, trend, a continuation of the trend, I think is going to raise and continues to raise serious issues for the workplace, issues about creativity, about ingenuity, about global competition. Suzanne, you're most recently involved with U.S. Steel, but you've been involved in a lot of prominent companies that really are affected by which way the regular regulatory wind blows. What do you think about the current environment? I think that the current environment is good. Uh, and I think that the, uh, the reduced regulation has really helped a number of businesses. And I think that when you look at um, economic growth, you have to look at the three drivers. So you're looking at reduced regulation, tax reform, and you're looking at psychology of investing. Do the investors have confidence in, in, in the economy? So I, I think, you know, obviously there are some businesses that may not feel that way. But overall, I think for big businesses, as well as for a number of startups that I've been involved with as an advisor. So you're working with startups right now, I know, for yes. example. So how, how, I'll turn to Mike Avon in a second, but from your standpoint, having worked with larger companies, you know, they look at regulation, I suppose, a lot of regulation tends to at least be personal. It's like, why are you picking on me? You know, it's a recurring theme. How does, is that, I mean, first of all, is that a true statement? Is that the way a lot of bigger organizations that look at regulation, sort of like, this is the thing that pushes against my efficiency? I think there's definitely a number of, of, of the operations folks that, that feel that way. That's my sense too. But now, now that you're working with startups, 
at this particular moment in your career cycle, how do how do startups tend, how, do you find the conversation or regulations different with the startup than say when you're talking with the CEO of a large company like an AIG or a US Steel? Sure. I mean, it really depends. I think on what type of startup, fintech versus you know a startup in another area. But but I do um, know that. I mean, I'll give you an example. My my daughter just graduated from a high school here that has a entrepreneurship startup program. So when I was speaking, and they have um, startup leaders come in and, and give these kids guidance and, and, and counsel with their own companies. And I was speaking to one who had applied, a, a minority business owner had applied for an SBA loan, couldn't get it. Well, after tax reform, he could, um, you know, because it changed the dynamics with respect to, you know, his bottom line, and he was able to apply. And so it made a difference to him. So, I, again, I think it, it's about your, what type of startup you have. Um, you know, where you are in the process. So your feeling, I guess, is that from your, where you, what you see is from where you sit, kind of. Mike, Avon, I'll turn to you because right now your most recent startup, I think, is a very disruptive business in the media industry. It is. Right? I, we hope so. At well, least. I, I think ICX, we've had you on before. Let's put it this way. You're on record on this show as saying it's disruptive. But we'll get to how it's going some other time. But so you're very heavily involved that media is uh, certainly an industry that is, still regulated. As you look at it from the standpoint of startup, what's your view? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a strange environment for startups right now. In some ways, the regulatory environment's very good. I think that the both administrations, the past administration, and the current administration have made some effort to make the world easier for startups. At least they plan to do that. At the same time, we're dealing with incredible uncertainty. And I think all businesses are, but I think that sometimes affects startups more, where you just have less room for error. Um, it's very unclear to us, for example, you know, what the current um, immigration regime is. We have multiple people in our business who are non-citizens, and it feels like the rules are changing on us every week and every month. And there's just a lot of uncertainty. And these are really critical people within our business that help us drive other hiring within our business. These are people we can't otherwise find. And, you know, when we just don't know what the rules are day to day, week to week, month to month, that can be difficult. The antitrust environment with mergers is incredibly complex. I mean, I, I, I don't think there's anybody in media that can really tell you what the current philosophy is when you look at the major um, media acquisitions that are currently in review. It, it just seems fairly haphazard as to when the Justice Department or, or the FTC uh, try to block mergers and acquisitions and when they allow them to happen. And for a small company like ours, it makes it just really difficult to figure out how to plan. Are you going to end up... You know, if you're partners with two different large media companies that are trying to merge, uh, are you going to end up working with one company? Is it going to be two? And we look in the case of, for example, uh, AT&T and, and Time Warner, and we still don't know for sure, even though that's, uh, you know, looks looks likely that that's going to go through. That's, that's difficult when you're a startup because we're very reliant on some degree of certainty in what's otherwise a very uncertain world in the startup. Is that one of the biggest differences, uh, Suzanne? And as you look at startups and working with startups vis-a-vis -vis large public companies, is it is it really, if I'm a startup, I might just reference this, Richard, I mean, you've been through the investment cycle as well. If you're a startup, is it more governments like um, sort of a referee, you know, sort of off in the youth or someplace? But I mean, startups don't really interact with government and try to shape policies the way, say, a larger company does, right? Well, you know, I, I, Mike, I think the point that you raised about uncertainty is so powerful. And, you know, from Ronald Reagan on, antitrust, I think, has been a real conversation, largely because we've seen the due, largely the deregulation over most of the last 40 years, with a little of exception in Clinton and Obama, but not much because of the recession. But I think the uncertainty and the disruption 
are even more powerful factors now than government regulation for the most part. I mean, the totality of government regulations and its layered thickness among states and jurisdictions, and obviously federal, has a huge impact. But the uncertainty makes it hard at every level. You talk to the Washington lobbyists, you talk to the Washington attorneys. We used to know where the goal line was. Trying to do representation of nation states, of sovereigns, is so much more difficult because you don't know where uh, the White House is. You don't know where Congress is going to be. Uh, and then in terms of disruption, the commoditization of the new thing, the new shiny, is so extraordinary that for small, medium, and large businesses, you can decide to invest in something new that looks extraordinary, and within two years, the cycle has already commoditized it. So I want to take a quick break there. When we come back, I want to continue this conversation. It seems to me that what I've heard so far is that it's double-edged sword. The regulatory environment, in a lot of ways, is very favorable to entrepreneurship, but yet the, the uncertainty about the political situation creates a, a lot of friction. And we'll be right back after the break to continue this conversation on what's working in Washington. And a thank you to our sponsor, JLL. JLL is the leading commercial real estate service company within the Washington, D.C. metro area, serving the technology, government contracting, and professional services industries. JLL's strategy-led approach and expert implementation results in cost-effective and flexible real estate solutions that help their clients succeed and grow. Welcome back to this What's Working in Washington Extra. We're talking about the current business environment, how regulations and government actions and politics really do affect the business climate. Suzanne Rich Folsom is with us here in studio. She's an attorney and expert in helping businesses comply with regulation, interact with government. Richard Levick is founder of Levick and also an expert on how you get the word out and establish and protect trust and deal with the current regulatory and government and business environment. And Michael Avon, a leading entrepreneur here in town, currently the founder of ICX Media. Before the break, we were talking about well, we're talking about the uncertainty, the weirdness of the current political environment, and you know, is it having an effect? Um, Michael, I'll start with you if that's okay. From your perspective as a startup, you know, you're you're raising capital. You've done a round, I think, a couple of rounds now. You just completed an M and A transaction. You're growing the business. What's the political environment do to a startup? <laughs> yeah, it, you know, we don't think about it day in and day out, but it affects us a lot. And you know, as a startup, you don't have the resources internally to comply with you know uh, new regulations that come online every day. Uh, we struggle. You know, you struggle to do everything within a startup. As I say, the CEO of a startup is head of sales, head of business, you know, chief dishwasher, everything in between. And certainly, we don't have the luxury of a large, um, large legal team. So we we think a lot about you know how we can. Uh, how we can comply with all the regulations in front of us and also build up a business, hire people, become a profitable business, you know, and how we can do that in the most efficient possible way. And, and everything from tax policy to privacy regulations to antitrust ends up affecting us. We have to, you know, certainly comply with all regulations, but at the same time, we have to be, we, we can't get consumed by, uh, by complying with regulations. We have to focus on building up a business and scaling. Uh, so, you know, we're not, we're, we're too small to have lobbyists, we're too small to spend time on the Hill, we just don't have the time to do that. And at the same time, I fear that startups as a whole really aren't being represented as, as much today as maybe they were 10 years ago uh, in the conversation. We create, you know, together most of the new jobs um, 
in the U.S. It's a real competitive advantage in the U.S. The, the startup scene we have, we're losing some of that competitive advantage globally. And I worry sometimes that our, you know, we're not being represented. We certainly don't have the money to throw it uh, uh, at the system as, as some larger companies do. So as a practical matter, if you're doing a technology startup, the way mm -hmm. that the political issues and regulatory and governance and where mm -hmm. things go on the scale of what we do, it's more of an environmental issue rather than a direct dollar and cents issue is what I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. Suzanne, it strikes me in your world, going back to working as general counsel and managing and being part of managing large organizations, there's a significant dollar and cents benefit when regulations are cut, right? Absolutely. And that's why I said that, you know, the business environment is, is better for many big companies. And, and there's some examples in recent policies that really are helping business right well, now. Environmental, a number of the environmental, you know, changes. And, and I mean, when you think about what the teams that corporations have had to put in place. You're not just talking about more robust legal teams, but compliance teams, you know, uh, that deal with federal issues, state issues, in addition to your government affairs, you know, folks. And these are, you know, teams that in some companies number in the hundreds of, of, of people. So, um, and, and people have to stay up to date. And if you're operating in other countries, then you have to be on top of, of, of those regulations as, as well. And, you know, I remember back, um, when I went into uh, Stacia Kelly, who was the, the general counsel of U.S. Uh, of, of AIG, uh, recruited me after the material weakness determination to be the chief compliance officer, regulatory and compliance officer. And we went in and we were looking, and AIG was in 145 countries. And all of a sudden, we have regulators from around the world, you know, that want answers, want questions. I mean, you need a really big team to be able to deal with, with responding, you know, to people in a time of crisis, but also in a time of in a relative calm when there are myriad regulations. And it seems to me, and it's interesting you mentioned AIG, I think about uh, Sarbanes-Ox, I think about Dodd-Frank, I think about environmental rules. And it, it seems to me, Richard, you've been involved with this for quite a while in different ways. It seems to me that what often happens is politicians find a, a red meat issue for a base or politicians find an issue that gets people exercised and then they sort of grab the stick and they try to create rules to get to an outcome and, and they raise complexity in business. Is that is that a fair comment? Uh, you know, I think it's uh, it's accurate. You know, in Washington, no one wants to be first, but everyone wants to be second. You, you know, you saw the recent Facebook hearings uh, in the United States Congress, both in the Senate and the House, much different than they were in the UK Parliament, where I believe uh, not only did Mark Zuckerberg not go, but they sent one of their senior lawyers, and I think he's still in therapy as a result of uh, that appearance. But here, you know, as the Sacramento Bee, I think, with the best headline of the hearing, said it's the grandpa versus the tech guy. Um, and they weren't interested really in laying a hand on Zuckerberg. They were interested in piling on. Uh, because you know, in, in Washington, why kick a man while he's up? It's too much work. So yes, you know, it's all about looking at the hot button issue and starting to regulate on it. You know, if I may, a couple of things here. I think what Suzanne said about international regulation is so important. And I recall working with you at AIG a decade ago, and some of the things that were required in the United States were per se illegal in several countries during that, making it very, very difficult to comply and, of course, creating headline risk. And then, you know, Mark, you said something earlier, which I think is so extraordinary. Up until just this past year, what you said is absolutely true. Small businesses have always provided the majority of jobs. That is no longer true. And I think the kinds of questions, Jonathan, you're asking about creativity, about ingenuity, about risk, 
Those questions remain to be seen. My fear is the larger these companies come become, are we going to start seeing the kind of customer service that we were so used to when AT&T was a monopoly or we had a choice of one cable provider? It seems that where we're going is regulation that's designing a political outcome raises the expense of business to the point where complying with the regulations rewards scale. And the big businesses are less efficient because spend more money and startups can't get to scale because they can't afford to comply. Is that why, do you think that's a contributing factor what Richard just said, that small businesses aren't creating as many jobs? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a major factor and especially in heavily regulated industries like financial services, like media, like healthcare, maybe healthcare is a little different. Uh, but if you look at financial services and you look at Dodd-Frank, which I think was well-intentioned post-2008 uh, collapse, but that led to a situation where only the largest banks could really comply. And you saw a bipartisan agreement over the past year to change the rules and, and actually really uh, uh, lessen the, the burden on smaller, smaller banks, smaller financial services organizations. And that's helpful. That cut both ways for startups. Dodd-Frank hurt smaller regulated startups that fit under the uh, uh, under the, um, uh, the, 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 the structure of Dodd-Frank. At the same time, that allowed a shadow uh, financial services industry to pop up and actually helped the fintech startup world. You see in media where privacy laws and rules are pretty unclear in the U.S. right now. We know that privacy is important. At the same time, we have this clear agreement between consumers and media companies that they get free content in return for giving up some level of data and information about themselves. And what is that some level is a very open question. And that's created a situation where big behemoths can navigate these difficult, tricky and unclear regulatory environment. It, it's harder on startups. You really, you know, you risk destroying your business by making one false move as a startup. And it, it means that people are a little less likely to take risks and a little bit le less likely to try to disrupt the status quo. That's where I want to return to when we come back after the break. I'm really fascinated by this idea of reducing regulation, but yet we increase scale. It's an interesting, interesting conflict. We'll get to that right after the break here in What's Working in Washington. And a thank you to our sponsor, Montgomery County Economic Development Corporation. Their business development team can help you find the best talent, an ideal location, and the latest in market and business intelligence so you can do business successfully in the greater Washington region and Montgomery County. Your business success starts with MCEDC. Connect with them at thinkmoco.com. Thank you to our sponsor, TEDCO. TEDCO invests in early stage tech and life science companies. It provides resources and connections that companies need to thrive in Maryland. Tedco's mission is to discover, invest in, and help build great companies. Learn more at www.tedco.md. Welcome back to What's Working in Washington. Next, where we unpack an important issue of the day. We're talking about the current business environment, regulation, government's role in growing the economy from the standpoint of entrepreneurship and business formation. 
Susan Rich Folsom is an expert here in the studio in businesses compliant with regulation and how they interact with the government. Richard Levick is with Levick. He's the founder there, an expert on strategic communications and building trust. Michael Avon is with us also. He's founder and CEO of IACX Media and a well-known entrepreneur here in town. Right before the break, we we're talking about the political uncertainty, regulation, and, and, and so forth. You know, it strikes me that we have a really interesting issue here, which is government regulation we, there are certain things where we just need to have it. How do we balance serving the broader societal needs with not choking people's ability to do business? How do we balance that? You, you know, Jonathan, you said something during the break that I thought was uh, really raises an interesting issue, which is Washington doesn't really work anymore. And there used to be conversations. Ronald Reagan uh, used to talk, talk to uh, Tip O'Neill, the former Speaker of the House, and say, how do we fix this? You know, the cameras are off. How do we fix this? They had this extraordinarily collegial after hours relationship. The president was fond of saying after five, we're all one party. And that doesn't exist anymore. And so I think that what happens is everything becomes hysteronics. It's much more difficult to have the kind of conversations that lead to the, the more uh, molecular, the more clear regulation that I think Washington was, was at one point capable of. But if we're just having a conversation about hysteronics, then we're not having a conversation about anything substantial. And then what happens is companies can only manage regulation if they're big or antitrust laws are enforced in a way that make companies big. And pretty soon, you know, where's the, where's the Where's the creative destruction? You know, where's the ability for people to up, you know, tip the apple cart over? Well, I think it's really hard for politicians to understand how to best regulate for startups, for growing companies, for growth companies, when people won't sit down and listen, right? So if everybody's just yelling at each other, not just around politics, but are spending all of their time arguing ideology, they're not sitting down with entrepreneurs that for the most part are nonpartisan when it comes to not to, to entrepreneurial issues. So we might have our strong opinions on other things, but ultimately we want an environment to help us and our and our peers in the market grow their businesses. And you'll see remarkable um, uh, consistency around what people want. It's fair tax rules that are not overly complicated. It's fair immigration rules that are predictable. It is fair, smart regulation. I think just about every entrepreneur wants a level of regulation. We all want to fly on safe planes. We all want to drink clean water. We all almost all of us agree that you know, there's some level of protecting the environment that's certainly important, certainly protecting privacy as well. At the same time, these have to be sensible regulations that are smart that actually get to the point. And if politicians aren't going to sit down and listen to, you know, those of us that are starting businesses, building businesses, investing in businesses, building larger businesses, and actually understand what, you know, what what do we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis? They're going to have a hard time writing these regulations. They're going to write these regulations in a way that makes sense for startup businesses. So, Mike, you're speaking from the perspective of somebody who owns his own business or so forth. So you have more control. I mean, I would think that with a public company where you have fiduciary duty to maximize profits, is the conversation different, you know, when you talk with the, or the CEOs you work with or others when you talk about regulation? No, I mean, you want CEOs of major corporations want want smarter regulations as well. You know, the amount of money that, that is spent by large corporations in order to comply is, is, is mind boggling. The board does have fiduciary duties. The, the C-suite does, too. So if heaven forbid you're not on top of that regulation and you, you fall out of compliance, because you have so many regulations that you're you're following, uh, and you have operations all over the world, it can be detrimental to to the company. Then you then you have a crisis situation, you know. And you know sometimes companies end up in those situations because they failed to follow 
and the blame is on them. And other times, you know, it was inadvertent uh, that they ended up in that situation. And then that causes reputational damage and people like Richard have to get involved and mm-hmm. and um, and you're dealing with, with a crisis, which then costs the shareholders and the company even more. I, I really do believe that we need regulations in certain industries and smart regulations. But um, I think as our politicians go through this, they need to have the conversations that Richard and, and Michael are talking about and try to walk in the shoes of the business people if they've never had that opportunity and listen to those business folks. Do you think in a funny way we have a situation now where literally both political parties are so concerned with other ideological issues that that neither one is really getting down to what's the proper role of government and actually working with business to make it work right? I think so. I think, you know, this is perhaps the greatest challenge that democracy has had to experience in this country, perhaps since the Civil War. And I say that because as much as regulation and the ability of government to impact business, regulate business, what we're just at the most nascent steps of are is artificial intelligence. And you know we're seeing that with truck drivers now, autonomous vehicles. We're going to see the impact on white collar jobs as we did uh, in Detroit uh, 30 years ago in terms of the change, the rapid change with robotics uh, and uh, international trade. But that is going to change the environment, and it's going to happen very, very quickly. It's going to affect law firms, communications firms, uh, every business. And I'm not sure we're in any way prepared for that. And AI may ultimately mean more jobs in the community, but I'm not convinced that it's going to necessarily happen in our business lifetimes. And more to the point, you need to understand how the technology works and not think the Internet's a string with uh, a can next to your ear. I think Richard makes a really good point, if I can add on to that. The only thing that makes me feel a little bit better is that we did go through something at least somewhat similar 100 years ago or 100 plus years ago with the Industrial Revolution at the turn of the last century where you had absolute upheaval. We built up structures. We went through a lot of turmoil, short of the Civil War, but a lot of turmoil in the early early 1900s, particularly the 1930s. And we did eventually put a structure in place that worked uh, and gave us years of, of growth. I feel like we're in the middle of that right now. I think the only difference is I don't feel like politicians and society at large is really focused on the problem. I don't think people understand what's coming with AI, what's already happened to media and financial services and other industries through the Internet. And I think that we're fighting battles from 50 years ago instead of looking ahead where some other countries, certainly China and other countries, are very much focused on what's coming next. And that's what scares me the most as an American and as an American businessman. Well, and remember, in 1909, you've got J.P. Morgan, who creates the Federal Reserve, which stays off the Great Depression for another 10 years. In fact, many people say he staved off the crash of 1909 by putting up his own money. <laughs> Just goes to show a business can make a big difference. I have very much enjoyed having the three of you in the studio today. It was really interesting for me, and I'm sure our listeners really appreciate. And it reminded that it's not ideology that matters. What matters is getting stuff done. Thank you for joining us on What's Working in Washington. A special thank you to our sponsors, Montgomery County Economic Development Corporation, JLL, and TEDCO, 
Our executive producer is Tracy Madigan, online writer Barbara Ulrich, music provided by two DC region bands, Two Car Living Room, and The Sunbathers. Tweet us at, at What's Working DC and tell us what you think of the show. Don't forget to like us on iTunes. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Thanks for listening. See you next time. You've been listening to What's Working in Washington. Download this show or any of our weekly programs at federalnewsradio.com. What's Working in Washington, Monday afternoons at 2.30 on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 a.m.